continue in our series, Person of Interest, invite you to turn uh, in your Bible to Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. We'll also be all the way on the other side of the Bible in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and so if, you're, if you'd like to follow along, you might want to go ahead and dog ear that one or put your finger there or something. But we're continuing to point out why Jesus still matters in a world that rejects him. And one thing people use quite often to discredit Christianity is this idea that Christians really don't care uh, about education or pursuing intelligence or, you know, it's kind of this dumb luck or dumb faith. Now, I know that's not what it is. I'm just telling you what people will attribute to Christianity from time to time is that, you know, we just, you know, have... Uh, faith and and no evidence that there's really no credibility and it's just a bunch of blind faith and really no desire to advance learning and understanding and nothing could be further from the truth if you look at the history of Christianity do you know that some of the highest places of learning in our world today started as Christian institutions started by followers of Christ seeking to advance the gospel and teach people in every area of understanding. Oxford University in England, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Dartmouth. So all, all these institutions, almost most of them, began with Christianity in mind, not just with it in mind, but really the whole thrust of why they instituted these uh, institutes to begin with. I know I just said instituted these institutes, but you know, sometimes I run out of the right words to say. So there's a book I, I read a long time ago in college. It's written by Josh McDowell and Bob Hossettler, and it's Don't Check Your Brains at the Door. And the whole premise of the book is that you don't have to, like, take your intelligence and put it on a shelf to become a Christian. Or to understand Christianity, or understand the claims of Christ, or any of that. No, you, you don't have to check your brains at the door. That, that you and I can pursue these things, and they are intellectually sound. And we are able to look at them and understand that they are reasonable and able to be followed. And we don't have to, to question that. Now, there is an element that you just kind of get to this point. You just have to say, either I believe or I don't. But the evidence is there. We've looked at it week after week using J. Warner Wallace, this cold case detective who was an atheist turned Christian because he applied the principles of his uh, investigation uh, and the way he would investigate cold case murders. He would investigate those the same way or investigate, investigate Christianity and Christ and the claims that he made. But ultimately, at the end of the day, he had to decide, am I going to believe this or am I just going to know all this information? So there is an element of faith, but it's not just blind faith. It doesn't have to be unintelligent faith. The claims of Christianity are provable and they are uh, uh, feasible and plausible. And you and I have to just come to a place in our life to decide, Will I believe this and align my life with these truths, with what the Bible says and with who Jesus is, or will I continue 
to live my life for me. I don't know where you came into this or how you came into this room today. I don't know each and every one of your backgrounds, but I dare say maybe there's someone here today struggling with faith, struggling with the truth claims of Jesus and his followers, maybe struggling, maybe you even come from a faith background, but just life has been tough and you're struggling with your faith. Friends, at the end of the day, there's a line drawn in the sand and you have to make a decision. I can, t- I can share with you the truth claims. I can share with you the truth of Scripture. I can share with you why it's plausible to follow Jesus and to believe in him. But at the end of the day, I cannot cause you to decide in your brain, decide for your own self, decide in your own life to say, I will believe. That's something you have to do. You must come to that point in your own life to say, do I believe or don't I? Do I believe and so therefore everything that I will do, I will align my life to this or will you continue to live for yourself and your ways alone? I wish I could make that decision for you, but I'm having to make it for myself. I wish I could make that decision for the four kids I have in my house, but I can't. I can only lead them so far, and I'm leading them, trying as best I can. Pray, pray for me, and I'll pray for you. It's, it's tough at times. Even those kids that have trusted Christ, there's moments that you think, did they really? I mean, we've we're, we're, we're got some stuff we've got to work on here. So we need each other's prayer, but we can only lead them so far. They must make their decision as well, just as we all must. And my prayer is that now, today, you don't have to wait till this series is over. My prayer is that through this series, that you would come to that place in your life where you make that decision. Maybe somebody's in here today and you're just, you're just toying around with the idea of Christianity. You kind of walk in this line of living your life the way you want to, pursuing things you know that are wrong and are not the things that God wants you to be a part of and you know that he doesn't want that and you know that his word says something differently and you got this little thing this little hitch in the back of your mind in the back of your spirit saying you shouldn't do that but you're just kind of walking that line friends don't walk the line any longer either live for Christ or don't So I want to encourage you today that we should all seek to learn for ourselves, grow in our understanding, and that the Bible is the best place to start. I want to start in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. I mentioned it before. Because from the very beginning, God wanted his people to commit themselves to the advancement of of education, of learning and understanding. And so he tells his people that they should follow his commands. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9, it states this. This is the command. This is the command, the statutes and ordinances. The Lord your God has commanded me to teach you so that you may follow them in the land you are about to enter and possess. Do this so that you may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life by keeping all his statutes and commands I'm giving you. 
your son and your grandson, and so that you may have a long life. Listen, Israel, and be careful to follow them so that you may prosper and multiply greatly because the Lord your God, the God of your fathers, has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city. Okay, so education, this idea of teaching and learning has been ingrained in the roots of Christianity from the very beginning. The roots of Christianity being Judaism, of course, and following the Lord and following what God had said. The people of God were encouraged to live these principles out and live them out among all the people that they're around, particularly their children, so that they'd be able to pass these things on and that they would commit to them all the time when they're on walking along the road, when they wake up from, uh, this, uh, from their sleep, when they sit at the table, when they are doing everything in their life to even write them on their doorposts and their hands and their heads and their gates so that you see them constantly. So learning and education is something Christians and believers in God have pursued from the very beginning. And we see also in the New Testament that Paul encourages Timothy to, and he encourages him specifically, and this should be a guide for us too. Would you look in 2 Timothy Chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, and then we'll skip over to 14 and 15. It says this, You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now, verse 14, remind them of these things and charge them before God, not to fight about words. This is useless and leads to the ruin of those who listen. Verse 15, be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And I want to show you in this 2 Timothy passage, I think, Four things that Christians teach and the reason we teach and we educate and we want people to know more about their faith. It's more than just coming to church once a week. It's more than just ch checking off a religious box, but it's growing in our faith, learning more so that we can do these things. And the first thing I want you to see here in this passage is in, in verse 1, 2 Timothy verse two, chapter 2, verse 1 is that Christians teach to strengthen faith. Christians teach to strengthen faith. He says, you therefore my son. Timothy wasn't his son, he was the son in the faith. He was his protege, he was his disciple. He was the one he was pouring his life into, teaching him all the things that he needed to know to advance his faith. Paul is here at the very end of his life writing to Timothy because he knows his, his time is limited. And so he's giving Timothy every instruction that he possibly can because Paul knows that he's about to die in the hands of uh, the Roman government and he's in Rome at this time. And so he's trying to teach him everything he can. He's taking everything he's already taught him, and he's applying it, and he's saying, Now, my son, 
Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So we teach, we pass on, we educate so that we can be strong in our faith. So we can have a strong faith and that our faith can be strengthened. Christians have taught for centuries so a person's faith can be stronger. Think about all we face. Think about all that can test our faith. Think about all the darts that come in at us from every realm. Think about everything that that life brings us that would love to cripple us and, and keep us from being strong in our faith. It would take us all day to name all the things that come in our way and mess us up. Here are a few. Maybe it's wayward children, loss of income, maybe parents failing health, maybe the loss of a loved one. There's so many that we face that come and hit us and knock us back and keep us in a weakened state and we need strength. We need to be encouraged. We need to be lifted up. Now, I don't mean that we need just to dismiss the things that are coming in our way. We're like, oh, yep, you know, I got my, my arms off. You know, I'm going to keep moving forward. I mean, I'm not talking about realistic, unrealistic expectations. But I'm saying, you know what? That hurt. That was hard. This was difficult. That wave, it really got me. But I'm going to hold to Christ because I can't do it on my own. I'm going to hold to the Lord because if I go in my own strength, I will fall. I will fail. I will drown. And I need him to strengthen me. It's this idea of when the waves of life come and the waves crash all over us and the wind blows us off of our footing, that we can say, I'm holding on to Christ because I can't hold on to anything else. And I don't mean that we just say things that we have learned in church. Well, hey, brother, I'm just holding on to the Lord. No, we, to desperately hold on to him. To say, Lord, I can't do it if you're not here with me. Lord, I can't face another day if you're not here to strengthen me. I can't go another step unless you walk with me, Lord. That's what the kind of strengthening we need that's the kind of faith that needs to be strengthened in you and me when life storms just continue to crash over us. We need to be strengthened daily. That's why we teach our kids. That's why Deuteronomy 6 tells us to walk with our kids and help them to find these things every moment of every day so they can navigate the difficulties ahead of them. Because we have gone there before. We know what it's like, and we help them walk and realize the things that they may be able to do to, to avoid the difficulties we've faced. And the best way to do this is to walk with someone side by side, not just face to face. Charlie, my seven-year-old son is learning to play baseball and so um it, it's quite a learning experience because he's he's kind of timid 
Uh, and if you've seen him running around here, you may disagree, but I, I promise you, if it's a new situation, new people, it takes him quite a while to get used to it all. And he, you can see him really internalizing everything. And so um, my dad loved baseball. That was something uh, we, we always uh, were working on. But my dad had a tendency to, to get real excited and raise his voice and... Uh, and uh, I didn't respond well to that, and I was, like Charlie, quite timid as well, and would just get in my head and get wrapped up in it all. And so I, because of what was done to me, I try to do things differently, right or wrong. It's just what I do. And so I oftentimes just trust the coaches, and, you know, and I'll try to add something here or there. And after the fact, it's always the worst time to do it, right? It's really better to teach in the moment and as it's going on his coaches do a pretty good job so I'm pleased but there the other the other day he he got to play a position he had never played before he didn't know what to do when the ball came to him or went to the outfield or you know he you know uh, trying to teach him to be the cutoff man and and so afterwards I would share that and you know I, I think he heard it I, I I hope he did but yesterday we went to see the Rome Braves play and they lost, but it was a fun time. And Char this is Charlie's first game that he can remember. And he had so many questions. It was fun. We were sitting there, and he's asking all these questions. And so I, took, I realized this opportunity. Here's these minor league baseball players. It gets hit to the outfitter, and where does the shortstop go? He goes out to be the cutoff man, to receive that. And so I was like, hey, Charlie, remember what I was telling you the other day? See how he went out there? And so it was this moment to walk with him in that moment, to teach him in that moment rather than after the fact. And don't you know that's how we all learn a whole lot better than someone saying, well, you did that wrong, you did that wrong, you should have done that, but for somebody to walk with us. And that's what we need to do to strengthen each other is to walk with each other in our faith to say, hey, watch out for that, watch out for that. I've been there, I've, I've stepped in that hole before. You know, don't go there. And, you know, let's go this way. We walk with one another, walk with our children, walk with each other to say, these are, the, these are the bumps. These are the, the guardrails. These are the things that you and I need in our life to walk with each other and help them to say, you know, you could go that way, but I would encourage you to go this way. Now, at the end of the day, it's the person's decision to decide, isn't it? It's the person's re responsibility to decide for themselves. We can't do it for them, but sure, man, we can sure walk with them and help them strengthen them in their faith. And that's what Paul is doing here here at Lafayette First, I would encourage you, if you're not already plugged into a connect group, man, that's what a connect group is. People walking with you through the toughest times of life and through the best times of life to say, to help you navigate whatever's coming your way and to say, I've been there before. It gets better on the other side. I've been there before. We can't do it on our own. We gotta get with people that can help us navigate the storms of life. Second point we see here is that we Christians teach to spread truth. Paul says, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men, commit to others who will be able to teach others also. So it's this beautiful picture, right? It's like the, uh, 
It's like the pyramid scheme, right? You know what that is? Like where, you know, one person takes three people. You have, it's this pyramid you build. It's, you know, multi-level marketing is what they call it now. Pyramid scheme is what I knew. it. But it's kind of like that, right? So, Timothy, you find some other guys, pour into them so that they can pour into somebody else, and they can pour into somebody else. And ultimately, you eventually have this huge thing where Christians were walking with others and teaching them and entrusting these truths to more and more and more people. Find more guys like I found you and teach them like I taught you is what Paul is saying. The idea was for this to spread that it wouldn't end with one generation, that it would continue on. And we've got to keep this going, sharing with the next generation and then the next. And when we fail, we fail when we discredit younger people and younger generations. How many of us have thought, you know, golly, where's the world going today? Where are these generations going? How many of us have thought that or heard someone say that? Can you imagine how God is just, he confuses our wisdom. And isn't it awesome that this, most recently, we see these spread of the passion of God in the lives of college students across college campuses across the world? That wasn't that long ago where revival was spreading out, starting in Asbury, right, and continuing in Lee University and other places where God just, uh, his presence shone out in these People in this generation, and God is up to something. May we not discredit them and move past them or move around them, but to say, you know, you're different than me. We're not going to like the same things. We're not going to think the same way, but I've got to share with you these truths. I've got to implement these truths into your heart and into your life so that God will use them and continue to spread the gospel. We've got to embrace the awkward tension that generations sometimes give. We think of the world completely differently sometimes. And we've got to embrace the awkward tension that may be there and move move past that, spreading the gospel. Spreading the gospel has always been essential to the church and it remains the same today. We have to commit ourselves to spreading truth. The third thing we see is that Christians teach to encourage unity paul addresses a specific situation and he says to timothy remind them of these things and charge them before to god not to fight about words later in this letter to timothy paul gets specific with timothy to remind them not to quarrel maybe i don't maybe this was a baptist church y'all think i don't know you know i joke i joke any church can have difficulties at times because it has people in it, right? We, we mess things up. We get, we get upset. And maybe we should have been upset and maybe we shouldn't have, but at the end of the day, it should not keep us from spreading the gospel. It should not keep us from being unified. We need to be constantly teaching each other how to remain unified. Unity is what we should strive for. So the third point is that Christians teach to encourage unity. It's important that we remain unified. Now, this doesn't mean uniformity, right? It doesn't mean that we're all the exact same. But it also doesn't mean that we just 
give complete tolerance to, uh, to something that's wrong for unity's sake either. It's what Paul tells us to do. He says, speak the truth in love so that you may maintain unity. It's speaking the truth in love to remain as unified as possible so that we can work together to advance the gospel. We're better together than we are apart. We need each other and we encourage and teach unity. The fourth thing and my final point today is that Christians teach so that we can stand firm. Paul says in verse 15, be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. It's important that we stand firm in our faith. Paul says it takes diligence to do that. It takes intentionality and passion and work, hard work. He says, be diligent to present yourself to God, a worker who need not be ashamed, correctly dividing the word of truth. He calls us workers. We ought to be working. This is something we've got to work towards. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. Uh, with, with, you know, just blind, you know, not being intentional at all. We have to work at it. We have to give energy to it. We have to, uh, we have to devote ourselves to these things. And it's hard. It's not easy. But it's worth it. Christianity isn't dumb and uneducated. Quite the contrary. We're an educating factory. We're constantly teaching people how to follow Christ and we invite you to plug in to those places here in the life of our church and we pray that God would use it to help grow your faith in him let's pray as our team comes and I want to encourage you today you don't have to wait for the end of this series to trust Christ you can do that today I pray today if anyone is wrestling with faith as we talked about earlier would you come i'd love to share with you how you can trust in christ let's pray god we thank you for today we thank you for your word lord that we we're not illiterate we're not blind in our faith lord your truths are captivating lord your truths are are real and we can teach each other we can encourage each other we can help each other to grow and to understand and to become better in our walk with you we can encourage each other to grow and to be unified for your glory and for your sake lord and god we pray that you'd forgive us if we've ever contributed to anything that would bring disunity or would cause anyone to fall god help us to maintain the truth, to remain in you, but to strive to walk with each other, encouraging each other to follow you and to live for you. Lord, I know that you can work in our lives today, Lord. And so in this moment, as we sing, I pray, Lord, that you would begin working in our hearts, Lord, to continue what you've already done. Lord, I pray if today someone doesn't know you, Lord, you'd bring them to faith in you, Jesus. Help us to be responsive to you, Lord. 
Whatever you're calling us to do in this moment, help us to be obedient. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you stand? And as you stand, we're going to sing. And I pray that God is working in your life. If you have anything you'd like to pray over or talk about, you come. I'd love to share with you. Let's sing to him today.